بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين At the end of the previous episode we promised that in this episode we would speak about the difference between making a 100% profit or more and when a person or a seller withholds products in order to drive the prices higher. What's important to mention is that those episodes were recorded well before the crisis that we are currently all witnessing. So it happens to be a coincidence that we are speaking about these matters. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it easy for us all and to grant us all protection. Amin. In Sahih al-Bukhari, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, La talaqqaw ar-rukban. Basically addressing the Sahaba, telling those who are living in the city or the town not to go out and meet the salesmen who are coming from outside to the city in order to buy from them. He then says, وَلَا يَبِيعُ حَاضِرٌ لِبَادٍ And a person who is a city dweller, one who is living in the city or town, he should not sell on behalf of a Bedouin who is coming with goods from outside the city. To understand this hadith, basically what would happen in those days, the Bedouins who would grow things or who had livestock, basically they would grow their vegetables or crops or some edible items, foodstuffs, they would bring it from far off, sometimes it would take a day or two or more in order to reach the cities so they could sell them. What would happen is the businessmen from the cities, instead of waiting for these people to reach the city, they would go out and try to meet them before they entered the city. Why would they do this? They knew that if they went out to these people, they would be able to buy at a much cheaper price. And at times what would happen is there would be some sort of deception involved. So let's say a Bedouin is coming with dates, for example. And let's say that the dates he has, their market value in the city is $10. These people would go out. At times, maybe they would tell them that, you know what, nobody in the city wants to buy these dates or the price is only three dollars or five dollars what would happen is this bedouin who wanted to sell because he doesn't know the price because he's coming from far away he's taken a long time to travel it's easier for him to sell it to that person who's come to meet him outside the city and he would sell it without knowing the actual market price and this would cause harm in at least two ways The first is the Bedouin wouldn't get the full price because if he went to the city and entered the market, he would have seen the prices and he would have been able to sell at a much better price and he would have been able to benefit a little bit more. Also, what would happen is these businessmen, because they would take these products and then go to the city, they would sell at a much higher price. And this causes the price in the whole marketplace to go up, making it difficult for the normal people. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa then said, وَلَا يَبِيعُ حَاضِرٌ لِبَادٍ Basically, a city dweller should not sell for a Bedouin. He should not be what we can call today his agent. Basically, what that means is that if a person who is coming 
from the desert who is a Bedouin coming from far off, again, let's say he got dates, a person from the city is not allowed to buy from him until this Bedouin goes to the market and he has an idea of the prices. When he's been there, he's seen the market, he knows what he can sell his product for, then we are allowed to buy from him. Again, why did Rasulullah mention this? Number one, to protect the interest of the one who is bringing the products. There's a possibility that he may be ripped off because he doesn't know the price in the city. Number two is so the price for the general masses does not shoot up. When we look at this hadith, what we derive is that Rasulullah is telling us basically the meaning of this hadith is if there is somebody who wants to sell a product and he is unfamiliar with the market, you have to let him go into that market or get accustomed to it. He should know the prices and everything else before you actually go and offer him. A typical example of this happening in today's time, as mentioned by some of the scholars, for example, as we all know, in some towns or cities, in most towns or cities, there are marketplaces known for specific items. So, for example, let's say there is a marketplace known for computers. A person who wants to sell his computer can go to these marketplaces and they buy from him. When we look at this example, let's say I went to sell my computer. The minute I'm reaching the market, before I enter, a lot of times there's people who come and they say, you know, your computer is only worth this much. I'll offer you this much. Give it to me. And sometimes they make up stories and they take an oath to say, no, your computer, its value is only this much. And if you go around the whole market, you'll find this. And me, for example, I may not know the whole computer market. So these people may take advantage of me before I actually reach the market. Hence, as derived from this hadith, Rasulullah is basically saying, allow this person who wants to sell his items to get to know the market, to get to know the prices. Once he knows that, then you can offer him and you can take from him or you can buy from him and agree. A question that sometimes comes up when looking at this hadith is what about our importing? If we go to another country where goods are very cheap, their manufacturing costs are cheap, and we buy a product, for example, which is only $2. And when we bring it to our country, we are able to sell it for much more, maybe $20 or $10. What's the ruling here? Have we done what Rasulullah prohibited us from doing? The answer is no. There is a difference between what is mentioned in the hadith and what I just mentioned in this scenario where somebody goes out to another country in order to buy and then import. In the first hadith, as we see, Rasulullah is talking about sellers who are on the way, the sellers themselves are on the way to this town or city or country in today's times. Here these sellers, they don't know the situation on the ground. They don't know the prices in that city. However, when it comes to importing, you as a buyer are going to another country or another city to buy from somebody else who has or manufactures these products. So there's a difference. In the first scenario, the seller 
is coming. In the second scenario, the buyer is going. The question then arises, Islamically, how much profit am I allowed to make? Am I allowed to buy something for $10, for example, and sell it for $20, making 100% profit? Again, what's important to mention is we are discussing these ahadith and these rulings based on the fact that things are normal and not based on a specific scenario or the current problem that the world is going through. So let's say, for example, I've gone to one of the countries, I found a product for $10 and I'm able to sell it in my country for $20. Islamically, am I allowed to make this profit of 100% or 50%, for example? Again, in Sahih al-Bukhari, there was a Sahabi, a companion of Rasulullah wasallam. His name was Urwah al-Bariqi. Rasulullah wasallam gave him one dinar and ordered him to buy one sheep. So the Sahabi, radiallahu anhu, he went and with this one dinar, instead of buying one sheep, he bought two. He then took one of the sheep and sold it again for one dinar. So when he returned to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he came back with one dinar and one sheep, radiallahu anhu. So what did Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam do? Did Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam tell him, no, that's not allowed. How can you make 100% profit? Rather, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam made dua that Allah grant him barakah. It is then mentioned in the hadith that literally whatever the sahabi would touch, he would be able to make a profit from it. Even if he had to sell the sand, he would make a profit from it. So from this hadith, what we learn is that we are allowed to make a 100% profit. In fact, whatever profit you are able to make, you are allowed to make it. Obviously provided, as we'll mention a bit later, that you are not trying to run a monopoly and create a fake shortage in order to drive up prices that we will mention later. We are talking about a person, for example, who's found a product. I give you a typical example when it comes to drinking bottles. If you go to China, these bottles, they sell at $2 wholesale price. If you take these bottles to Europe, for example, you are able to sell them at $20 and $30. This is way more than a 100% profit. But what's important to mention is the whole market in Europe who are selling bottles of this sort are all selling at this price. So if I had to go and buy a bottle for $1 and I am taking it to a marketplace where the price, the normal price is $30 or $40, I am allowed to do that even if I am making a profit which is a thousand percent or more. Now, an important mas'ala to mention, it's being mentioned a lot because of the crisis today, that is what is known as ihtikar. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, لا يحتكر إلا خاطئ. We have to know what is the shari meaning of ihtikar. The original meaning of ihtikar is when a seller takes a product and he holds it. He basically doesn't sell it. He takes it off the shelves. He creates a fake shortage, either because he holds a monopoly or because 
there's not enough supply in the marketplace. So this man, he stops selling. He hides his products, for example, in a warehouse. Because there's so much demand and no supply, the prices go up. So he's created a shortage. He then tries to sell it when the prices have shot up. So as we see, the seller is holding a product and he creates a fake shortage waiting for the price to spike and then he sells it. This is the original meaning of ihtikar that is mentioned in the hadith where Rasulullah said only a sinner does this and in other ahadith Rasulullah prohibited a person from doing this. A lot of people when translating this hadith, they translate it loosely as hoarding without defining what exactly is hoarding. What does a person mean? Is it a person who goes to the supermarket today and he buys so much, he fills up his trolley and he takes it to store at his house? For example, the shar'i meaning, as we mentioned, of ihtikar is where sellers hold goods, create a shortage and sell once the price spikes. So... A better way of interpreting this would be a person who is hoarding with the intention to price gouge. They want to shoot the prices higher. What's also important to mention is the scholars differed from the very beginning as to what Rasulullah was referring to when he spoke about the hadith of ihtikar. Is he referring to everything or was he only referring to foodstuffs and so on and so forth? A lot of scholars in today's times, they mention that anything that the people need and a person withholds it, waiting for the price to go up and then he wants to sell, whether it's foodstuffs or some sort of physical products or commodities or even something which may be a software, all this, as mentioned by a lot of scholars today, enters into this category. Now, let's come to a person who is bulk buying. We mainly grew up in Africa. And what's well known is that people, even in normal times where we come from, they buy in bulk. Maybe it's because the supply chain is not as good as other advanced countries. But what's important to mention that in normal times where we come from, it's very normal for people to bulk buy. The only reason I mention this is because when you see a picture on social media, places, countries and situations are different. So one blanket ruling on a person, for example, saying he's hoarding or he's buying so much may not be applicable to everyone in the world. As I mentioned, where we come from, even in normal times, people bulk buy. For us, it's quite normal. At the same time, during calamity and crisis, it's important for sellers to act responsibly and for buyers to act responsibly. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us all and to grant us all goodness and make it easy for everybody. The last thing I'd like to mention today is a lot of people when it comes to the topic of hadith, they are quite interested and they are fascinated. They want to know, for example, what is the difference between Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim? What makes the ahadith in Sahih al-Bukhari, for example, more authentic as a whole compared to the ones in, for example, Sunan Abi Dawood? They also want to know what makes a hadith authentic, what makes a hadith ba'if or weak. Because there's quite a lot of interest, 
I was thinking of putting together a short course bi'ithnillah for those who want to benefit and bi'ithnillah it will be the first of many we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the tawfiq. Whoever is interested, I would appreciate if you could contact me, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or in the comments below, if you're watching on YouTube or wherever else, so that we can try and build this course together. Bi'ithnillah, this course will obviously be free and the ones in the future, bi'ithnillah, as we work on them slowly, whether it's to do with Arabic or fiqh or tafsir. The only reason is if we have a few people who can actually help us and they can go through the course before it's released, I will be able to know where, for example, I haven't explained something properly or I've made a mistake, etc. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us all goodness and beneficial knowledge. Ameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.